Welcome to Finance Feeds Podcasts. Finance Feeds is the world's premier interactive Forex industry news source, providing the latest insights and current affairs from within the online trading industry worldwide. Enjoy our latest podcast episode. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining Finance Feeds Podcasts. My name is Nikolai Saev. I'm Editor-in-Chief of Finance Feeds. On this episode, uh, we have with us Yuri Kretakov, who is founder at FinWizard. Yuri, welcome to our show. Thanks for joining us today. Hello, Nikolai. It's good to hear you too. Awesome. So let's jump. Uh, let's jump right in. Uh, I would like to start out by speaking a bit about your industry background and experience, uh, so our listeners have a better idea of uh, of your expertise. Um, you know, for example, I know that you spent a long time at Admiral uh, Markets Group previously. Uh, could you fill our listeners in on sort of your background and industry experience? <laughs> yeah, well, I'd say my uh, my history begins with um, one of the co-founders of, of Admirals uh, gifting me a CD disc with a MetaTrader 4 on it. I believe it could be 20 years ago, maybe 18. I mean, that was a long time ago. I arrived home, I installed the, the MetaTrader, I opened first position, I I think it was euro dollar. I, 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 I didn't know how to close the position, but I opened a, a lock position. And it was, I think it was a demo account with a $10 profit. I was very happy. I uninstalled, <laughs> I uninstalled the program and, and forgot the whole thing for maybe the next three or four years. And then, yeah, all of a sudden, I think it was 2008 or 2009, the founders uh, we met, and it was the next day after they received the first European license. They invited me to join, uh, and since then it was maybe ten years. Yeah, ten years probably. I was uh, active part of the management, uh, developing the company. Most of it was, of course, regional work. Uh, we got. I was the one receiving the Australian ASIC license. I was managing, let's say, legally as executive director, UK, Estonia. ASIC, uh, different locations. But I think my strongest point throughout those about 10 years yeah, of employment was mm -hmm. the fact that when I started, it was a team of about 30 to 35 people. And now we're looking at a company of around maybe 500. So, of course, I was the one mainly involved with recruiting. And so this kind of a background, my, my background is people's background. So... Mm -hmm. um, both in regions and in financial centers. I see. Interesting. And um, can you tell us how the idea to launch uh, FinWizard came about? I mean, I know our industry has historically had challenges when it comes to companies hiring needs, you know, uh, things like finding qualified candidates and so forth in sort of key regions around the globe. And considering, you know, the experience that you just spoke about at uh, your experience at Admirals, kind of how did FinWizard come about? Uh, came pretty natural. <laughs> That's basically what I did for almost 10 years. I mean, you can imagine we are talking about traveling to maybe 40 to 50 different countries, opening up different offices, um, lots of hiring, lots of interviews. Um, I can probably imagine, I mean, thousands of interviews and maybe a couple of thousand people who were hired and, and maybe fired uh, throughout, throughout these years of employment. So uh -huh. um, one of the biggest assets that was built throughout these 10 years is probably my LinkedIn profile. I'm connected to a lot of people and they know me. So visiting mm -hmm. all the expos, uh, et cetera. I mean, basically, look at it like this. I know most of the CEOs or owners mm -hmm. of the companies, sometimes even... Mm -hmm like secondary owners of the companies that actually participate in decision-making when it comes to hiring and so forth, yeah? Sure. So the buyers basically know me. They trust me and they know what, what I can deliver. Uh, the industry knows me because all the people are connected and uh, I, I, I don't know, maybe thousands are, are on my WhatsApp and can answer basically instantly. So, and I know how the process works, how the hiring works, what are the, 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 the pain points, um, so it was only natural that uh, what I was doing for uh, one brand and actually even assisting some other brands throughout these 10 years, last 10 years, uh, I decided, well, there's a need. Companies are ready to pay for that. So let's 
let's fill in the gap and help the industry hire the best. So you just recently published a short article on your blog regarding some of the fears that in-house uh, HR and management teams have about working directly with recruiting agencies such as FinWizard. Uh, can you give our listeners a few of the key main points uh, uh, of your findings? Yeah, yeah, the one with the rabbit. Uh, we yes. updated the, the brand book and I really like the designs with the recent rabbits. Um, yeah, I mean, most of the HRs, of course, what do they fear? They When they contact a typical agency, right? So they get they don't get just a recruiter, right? They get some recruiter who is specialized in, uh, in financial industry, etc. But nonetheless they don't get someone who has run a brokerage for like multiple, multiple years. So the recruiter, the headhunter normally doesn't know the details of the job in depth. So he doesn't mm -hmm. really understand the skill set. He doesn't understand sometimes the regulate, regulatory environment. He doesn't maybe understand the specifics of a, of a job uh, on a dealing desk or uh, if you talk about financial operations or treasury or risk management um, mm -hmm. so definitely HRs they understand that they meet the agency and the agency will start looking and oftentimes they get a lot of candidates that are not a good fit for the job so they end up looking at a lot of candidates which are irrelevant yeah mm -hmm. so that's probably their biggest fear is that uh, they are going to end up wasting a lot of time mm -hmm. uh, and not getting the right the right candidate um, the 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 other thing of course nobody likes outsourcing because nobody knows the company culture from within so mm -hmm. certain team with certain uh, nationalities could be or certain history uh, certain history maybe even of rivalry between different brokers um, competition or location, you know, brokers hire from brokers. Um, obviously, most, most of the companies have their own stop list, etc. So mm -hmm. many times an external agency uh, doesn't know that. Yeah? So uh, speaking about nationality, for example, every client I have, right, will say, yeah. will, will openly say that we are ready to hire anyone with any background, any religion, any uh, you know any set of beliefs, uh, any skill, uh, skin color, whatever. Yeah, any any place sure. of birth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's right. That's what is in the. That's what is in in JD, right? But we know that that's not really how it works in the end. Why? Because we supply those candidates. Let's say you get 10, 15, whatever, and we see who gets hired. In the end, the company still hire someone who is already there. So for example, if a company has a lot of employees, uh, which are, let's say, in Malaysia or with Indian background, so they will hire people of, of that culture. If the, the company comes more from uh, Russian speaking background, yeah, they will hire from, from a Russian speaking background. I mean, literally, mm -hmm. you understand Ukrainian companies now, they say, we want Ukrainian stuff. Yeah because of yeah. the, what's going on. So many times, of course, external um, agencies, they, they take it as granted and they just supply relevant candidates. But in the end, we know that, okay, that's not going to be a good fit. So this, of course, uh, something else which, uh, which they fear. Um, uh, one of the things is also confidentiality. Obviously, with clients, we sign NDAs. And uh, when they hire for executive search, it's, sometimes they can't, search it directly and the reason is because you may be you you may want to change your cfo or cmo and he doesn't know it <laughs> right so, and, yeah i understand, I understand. So, so so in the end you, you you need to work with uh with an agency just so that uh he doesn't find out because uh, the search for executive roles may take quite a while yeah multiple steps mm -hmm. multiple interviews um you, you may end up actually not hiring anyone and you stick mm -hmm. to your existing CMO. Yeah. So it's better for, for, for that person not, not, not to know, not to know that. So these are, these are like some of the, some of the fears. Ah, yeah. Cost, of course, it's expensive. Is it expensive? Yes, it is expensive. Mm -hmm. But um, normally it's, it's... Every, everybody searches themselves mm -hmm. and uh, when they fail, that's when they come to me. The, I I, I, I'd say 90% of cases, they search, broker search, 
they 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 are not able to fill the role and then they go for professional help mm -hmm. and you know you mentioned that the, you know there there is one of the fears is lots of quantity right and and very little quality let's say in terms of how qualified these candidates are or how good of a fit they are right in terms of some of the fears right or some of the issues um, that hr teams may may face when working directly with recruiting agencies but wouldn't be wouldn't it be on the recruiting agency to filter out um, you know sort of filter out the, the the candidates that that they think would somehow not be a good fit or is it really it's 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 a it's a volume uh, game in the sense that you know the the more leads or qual or just candidates in general there are the better chance that uh, someone might be picked as someone worthy of a few rounds of interviews and things like that I mean kind of who's responsible for filtering for filtering out that's exactly the reason why some of the companies they have some recruiters with whom they work for years and they kind of understand the industry and they stick to them yeah or or let's mm -hmm. say with they work with companies where where recruiters come from like 10, 15 years of experience like me, eh? managing brokerages. So mm -hmm. uh, exactly because they, look, if they, you know LinkedIn, right? If they post a job on LinkedIn, a, a job ad, have you posted a job on LinkedIn ever? They, mm -hmm. they give this free trial. Have you tried? Uh, many years ago, yes. <laughs> it's a very, it's a very time consuming process. So what did you get? Uh, nothing really, <laughs> to be honest. You didn't get candidates? Well, I mean, we did, but again, the quality was subpar. All right. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's exactly the thing. So if they put the JD on, on a LinkedIn, they'll probably get, any broker can get, you know, hundreds uh, whatever of candidates, and most of them will be completely irrelevant. And mm -hmm. of course, they, they join an agency which doesn't really know the industry. They will end up, I mean... Let's, let's use the example, yeah? Uh, we've recently been searching for a couple of people for different countries for trading anti-fraud role, yeah? On the, on, on the dealing desk where... Uh -huh. Now, some of, uh, like, the experience... Actually, we were a second agency which was, which was hired for this role. And they said, well, the first agency they hired, they gave us tons of anti-fraud candidates, but most of them were, like, finance anti-fraud. Duh, obvious. How does the agency search? They search using keywords. So they would say anti-fraud, uh, anti-fraud, <laughs> and then they will end up basically in all of those payment system, anti-fraud, financial department type of uh, experts. Mm -hmm. Now, how do we take this role, for example? So immediately we understand this is a very specific role, and there could be like a lot of dealers who, who, who have somewhat experience with this role, yeah, but not maybe in-depth. Yeah, but in this case, uh, both of the customers they wanted a, a, a person with vast experience uh, who can uh, basically build build up the whole anti-fraud from scratch. Yeah, not 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 someone who requires micromanagement, but someone with experience five year, ten year, something. So, what we did is we set up from the very start two simple questions. I I wouldn't be able to to recall exactly the questions, but something like. Uh, please name the type of uh, trading fraud that you know of, for example, mm -hmm. uh, being done on MetaTrader 4 or 5. Yeah? Um, and then the other, the other question was, uh, uh, can you explain like a difficult case that you have, like you, you found a fraud and it was difficult and uh, tell us a story. Yeah? So by adding these filters immediately, what, what did we get? We get, again, we got, of course, hundreds of whatever candidates here. Yeah? And many of them were not able to answer, like some of them don't answer the questions, but those who do, once I look at the answer, I see that, well, the person has never done real like anti-fraud or risk management uh, on, on, uh, on, uh, on the dealing desk. He hasn't done this role. And you also see immediately someone who is like, okay, he has all the keywords there, arbitrage, scalping, you know, all the keywords are there. You're like, okay, yeah, that guy knows what he's talking about. And then the example, and then the example may be completely off. Yeah, or actually you can have a, an answer from chat GPT and you're looking at it like, why are you putting, posting such a broad thing? Like we want your experience, we want your knowledge. So by doing these, these specific questions, the customer gets not just a CV, but he also gets already the answers to these specific questions that relate to this specific role. 
Mm-hmm. And in that sense, the number of, of, of candidates is, is, uh, is greatly, greatly, greatly reduced. And in, in, I mean, that's how I work with, with my clients. Mm-hmm. But I really recommend most of the uh, most of the brokers, if you do recruiting yourself or HR managers, uh, to use this tool because it's going to save you a lot of time on reviewing all these hundreds of applicants without the proper answers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted to ask you a follow-up question. You, you know, you mentioned culture and language and, and some of these things, and I know I noticed that you know some brokers are very proactive publicly in in terms of showing both people in the industry and just the general public their internal values, right? The way they treat their employees, the values that they try to uphold within the workplace the workplace sort of settings, right, in terms of flexibility of, of, of work hours, locations, uh, any kind of uh, sort of nice, n- nice freebies, like, I don't know, lunches or catered um, team building events. How important do you think, you know, in your experience, how important do you think it is for companies to be uh, publicly proactive with their company culture, corporate culture, values, and things like that, with respect to increasing their chances of hiring you know the best possible candidate well most certainly uh, having a great hr brand um, helps that's there's no doubt about it so if we look strategically yeah the industry is uh, let's say in a red ocean yeah so it's not mm-hmm. that it, it, it's not something new it's not that there are many new players coming in so the industry is consolidating yeah the stronger players become stronger etc so you compete on many terms, yeah, conditions. I mean, all the costs become. Imagine, imagine uh, trading conditions uh, 15 years ago and today. Yes, yeah? yes. Uh-huh. Uh, it's like a huge difference. So, uh, same thing about salaries, etc. So, of course, the best compete for the best. Yeah. So, if you build an awesome HR brand, then of course it makes the rest of the things easy. Yeah. You can have uh, more junior recruiters uh, doing the searches, doing this, the the the, the, the recruiting. Uh, uh, which is cheaper than working with an agency, right? Um, you have uh, applicants, relevant applicants who see your team all the time, and they're like interested, like, oh, I'm not treating that, I'm not treated that well, you know, in my company. Or my company doesn't allow me to work from from home, and I want to. Or oh, my company doesn't allow me to to uh, uh, to work remotely, but this one does. So definitely, uh, being public about your values as employer helps a lot a lot it, it, it filters out like it creates this road of of people who are directly interested in in in, in joining that culture yeah? mm-hmm. you still need to have all the filters yeah you still need sure. to do all your interviews cross-check references etc because you might you know pe- people want the goodies but can they do the job <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah but um if if companies invest in it, then uh, definitely it pays off. But like I said, everything is a cost. We are in the red mm-hmm. ocean, so you know you, you pay <laughs> you pay staff, you pay your recruiting, you pay for your HR image, you pay for your football club sponsorship, you pay to your whatever affiliates, IBs, you pay to your IT, you pay to your dealing desk. I mean, you have to cover uh, a lot of fields. Yeah? But mm-hmm. in my yeah. in my opinion, of course. Whoever can pay more for, for talent will end up winner because mm-hmm. everything is, is built by us humans. So sure, <laughs> and, yeah. and, and competition for talent is vast. Yep, makes sense. And Yuri, uh, I'm also wondering, can you give us some insights into how hiring needs for retail and let's say institutional firms have changed in the last uh, in the last year or so, and then also maybe going back two, three, five years. I'm really speaking uh, right now about, you know, the change in market volatility that's, that's happened. And um, I would hope that broker uh, revenues have uh, increased as a result, let's say, within the last year. And I wanted to find out, do you think, you know, from your experience, um, have the needs also changed for, for these types of firms uh, with respect to their demand for, for, for hiring in particular regions? You know, uh, for example... Uh, I would think that uh, Middle East region and Asia are the most in-demand geographies uh, at this point in time, but maybe I'm mistaken and uh, perhaps like Latin America is actually a more 
uh, important region that's seeing a lot of uh, demand these days. Um, if I could also throw in, you know, I remember, you know, from my days of working at a brokerage, there's also nuances of operating uh, in certain countries like China, for example. <laughs> yeah, China. For most companies, China is history. <laughs> yes, correct. Yeah, also for those reasons. Um, you mentioned volatility. Actually, it's a very interesting point, volatility. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, first quarter last year was big volatility. After that quarter, huge demand, so many orders. Everybody wants to expand higher, higher, higher. Uh-huh. But, I mean, if you look at maybe last six, seven months, there's no volatility. Okay, maybe in March there was volatility. March this uh-huh. year. But uh-huh. rest of the time there is no March volatility. <laughs> or and range guess, And guess what? It's happening. I'm receiving a lot of people saying, hey, Yuri, you know, uh, I've been working there and uh, maybe you can introduce me. I've heard you're assisting, uh, you know, high quality experts uh, finding a job in the industry. That's mm, I see. Get when it's low volatility. I see. I <laughs> so, see. So it's, so it's the reverse <laughs> demand. It's the reverse demand, yeah. right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. So it's interesting that in that sense, this industry is a little bit different from, from a lot of other industries. Yeah, You have high volatility, immediately get huge profits. I mean, most, most of the brokers will end up, will end up having a, a B-book profit. So as, as soon as huge Volatility comes in, you get uh, your millions and millions and millions of, of profits and you start, oh, we need to expand. So, yeah, as soon as volatility decreases, you're like, oh, okay, we have all sorts of these huge costs. Okay, we have to cut, 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 30%, whatever. So, yeah, it's... Uh, so, one company could be expanding uh, heavily one year and then just next year you are getting applicants from that company <laughs> looking, looking for look, looking for jobs. That's, I, I suppose that's the reality of the, of the, of the industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, you asked about, uh, um, I guess the different, you know, MENA, the different regions, MENA, Asia, yeah, regions. MENA, Asia. I mean, there was also, you know, for example, there was also Brexit that happened a few years ago. Maybe mm-hmm. that had an impact. Yes, yes, definitely. I mean, in terms of, okay, if, if we look at time, yeah, volatility is one thing. Of course, uh, let's say evol- evolution, yeah, of, of, of the industry and regulatory environment is another thing, yeah? Yeah. For example, um, be- before Brexit, yeah, there was a lot of demand in UK for, for, for hiring in UK, which is gone. So it, it's still there, but I mean, the vast demand is gone because mm-hmm. before everybody wanted to be in UK for reputation reasons and to cover uh, rest of the uh, Europe, especially of course uh, capital which originated outside of European Union, uh, such as MENA, Asia, etc. Yeah, with owners coming from there. Mm-hmm. And when Brexit happened, uh, most of these orders uh, disappeared. Um, then uh, I think there was a big. Pe- it's still going on, but there was a huge period of maybe two, three years, huge IT demand. Everybody wants architects, Python developers. This was big, 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 big. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that most of the companies have somehow managed to find uh, their partners or internal recruitment to cover this kind of field because mm-hmm. we know there's huge turnover in, in IT. Mm-hmm. Uh, companies compete a lot. Uh, on this sector, but that was big thing because everybody was going agile. Everybody was going, okay, we have to have product owner for this feature, product owner for that feature. Every product owner must have a, uh, a developer, a designer, a front-end developer, back-end developer, tester, you know, etc., 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 market research um, expert, and, and so forth. Mm-hmm. So um, that 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 was in huge demand because everybody was building apps, their websites, uh, their whatever copy trading platforms, or just integrating um, with the web some other platforms and so on. So that was huge. Uh, now it's not that big, or maybe it's as big as just that. Probably I'm more focused on executive search, but the typical front-end, back-end developer is, is, is still is still there and all, always always up. Um, mm-hmm. You can see it on the portals. 
Uh, right now, uh, I mean, for me, it, it, it's a lot of C-level execs, yeah? So companies become bigger, uh, you know, shareholders who were managing the company, sometimes they still manage the company today, but oftentimes, mm-hmm. of course, they want to, I mean, they made their millions, in some cases, hundreds of millions, right? So they need to have some of the time off to enjoy the, 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 the capital they built over the last mm-hmm. you know, 10, 15 years. And of course, they'd like to have C-level executives who they, can, who they can trust, who they can put on the executive board or supervisory board. Uh, it depends on the type of search. But uh, yeah, for me, this is probably now definitely in, in demand. And uh, regional, yeah, regional too. Uh, Asia is big. Uh, MENA is big, uh, lots of hiring there. Africa, everybody's going to Africa. You can see, see in some regions there's no new licensing. In some mm-hmm. areas it's still unregulated, but uh, nonetheless, uh, brokers are going there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they want to have experts either in their financial center, so let's say Cyprus, UK, or whatever their headquarters is, yeah, or on site yeah? uh, mm-hmm. with the sales offices, uh, either telesales teams or, or marketing teams. Or maybe, or maybe one one office uh, which can which can cover the region. For example, in uh, South Africa, a lot of companies are opening up. We've seen Nigeria, right? We've seen Kenya. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Lots of activities from there too. So um, Latam, not so much. Maybe it's not so much for me, but I think it's not so much for most for most brokers. It's it's a little bit. LATAM is a different market. Yeah, I've been managing in Admirals LATAM as well uh, for some time. Uh-huh. Uh, so uh, there, there was, uh, I mean, we worked with six, six or seven different different countries in Latin America. So culturally, it's a little bit different. Not every broker is, is ready for that. I see. It's ready f- for investing and for sticking to those markets. Yeah? Mm-hmm. I mean, Okay. One time there, there was an order, uh, I, can't, I can't tell you who, who it was, but the order is, was like, okay, we want the, the, the LATAM, the head, of, the head of LATAM. And so we got into depth of discussion of the, of the job description and we ended up with, the, the company doesn't understand from which country or culture background or which physical location they want that manager. I mean, LATAM is not just one kind of LATAM. Yes, of <laughs> Actually, course. Every country is different. Has, is, is different. It has completely different cultural background. And like, I mean, in, in my field, uh, in my field, if we, if I help to, to, to hire someone, right. Uh, and the person, for example, does not deliver because th- in this case, we're t- looking at something, someone commercial. Yeah. He needs to bring commercial uh, success either through IBs or with some direct marketing or with some sales. So if I deliver this person, I understand that with this mystical LATAM, he's not going to deliver anything because if he goes to, uh, let's say, IBs in whatever, Argentina, yeah, they're going to say, okay, uh, do you have the local payment systems? Do you have the, like, I mean, you need to have all the local tools for a country, not all countries. It doesn't exist. So mm-hmm. you need to understand its culture. You need to understand specifics of their uh, currency exchange, yeah. Sure. Uh, you need to understand uh, branding, positioning for for that particular for that for that particular market, and also regu- regulatory environment there. And so, I understand that if I deliver such a lot of manager, he's not going to be able to close direct sales or or IB sales. So I will end up uh, being in depth to supply a replacement, yeah. And, and eventually that would be difficult but moreover imagine i i make a briefing with my team of recruiters and i tell them okay find me a lot manager and they ask me okay so which culture which country do we filter and they say uh filter all <laughs> so it's gonna be <laughs> you know i mean they, I when they search yeah they also f- search for keywords uh country of origin or let's say uh, history background working in some departments or some companies i mean so when when they start looking for candidates, uh, if the search is so broad, we can't really help. Yeah, we can't really mm-hmm. help. We we need to. Uh, so 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 for Latam, I would say a lot of companies are not ready yet for this market, and maybe even the market is not as uh, as big as as interesting for for the countries uh, for the companies to explore. Mm-hmm. Maybe I see. for Brazil, Brazil I suppose has definitely become 
big for for quite a few brokers now. Mm-hmm. Great. Thanks for your insights. Um, I know we touched upon this already in, in a previous question and answer, um, but I wanted to kind of return to it. You know, like I would argue that a, that a successful hire or candidate placement for, for you uh, all, also depends on the culture and ethos of the company filing the vacancy, right? We talked about, you know, company culture and how companies position themselves publicly. What do you think in-house teams should focus on, you know, besides the things that y- you're doing with in-house HR teams when they work directly with you, um, what do you think that other uh, in-house teams should focus on to ensure that they're attracting the right talent that is exactly the right fit for their business uh, and people strategy? Like perhaps you can share some good or bad stories from your experience in this regard, you know, without upsetting anybody or anything like that. <laughs> Not upsetting any of our listeners. <laughs> well, I believe that you just need to do multiple interviews. I mean, you, uh, you need to get to, to know the person better. If we talk about C-level executive, you should meet in person, maybe several times. You meet in their comfort zone. You invite uh, the person to meet in your comfort zone. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, You meet not just in formal not just in some formal settings but you meet over dinner maybe even have a drink yeah or do some activity together yeah i mean when you talk about especially when you talk about uh, c-level hires i mean the more the more you interact the more you spend time with the person the more likely uh, it will be a good fit yeah yeah um of course uh, it's not um let's say let's say how can that that happens maybe at a later stage yeah that happens when some candidate goes through maybe a recruiter then head of hr and then gets to talk to let's say ceo yeah when Mm -hmm. gets to meet the ceo so for initial stages of course for hrs it's kind of kind of similar yeah maybe they 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 just Add small talk, uh, become a bit friends. I mean, most of the chairs are pretty good at it. So, sure. Uh, well, most of my clients, when they have HRs, they are pretty good at breaking the ice and, uh, sure. and well, getting getting to know the person. Yeah, M- maybe you can share some examples of you know exec uh, in-house uh, executive recruiting, you know, success stories. Or do you think that uh, most companies really end up working with agencies like yours? <laughs> well, executive. Recruiting is not that easy to set up because I mean, who can seriously do in our industry executive recruiting? I mean, I must give credit to uh, Yelena Krutova because I mean, she has she definitely built a fantastic uh, recruitment department which was fabulous. Yeah, but mm-hmm. it, it doesn't it, it doesn't happen overnight. I mean, it, when let's say when we have a, a work together with with Exynos, normally. My recruiters are saying, "Oh my God, it's scorched earth. We are going, we are going, and looking for candidates." And they all tell us, "Yeah, yeah, we've already spoken to Exynos. We've been at Indra. Yeah, I've been to. Yeah, we, I've already. Yeah, I've already applied." And they and they told me no. Or like, "Oh yeah, I'm at the second interview." I'm like, "My God, how is that possible?" Like, I ended up accepting the fact that they can do the job in house better than I can do the job for them. So I accept that. Uh, hats off. I mean, <laughs> They are fantastic, but it's, it was not built. You, you see, it was not built overnight. You, I mean, you, you have to have the recruiters. Yeah, that's not, it's not enough. You need to have a, you need to have a good uh, HR software, probably in-house HR software, which, uh, which handles, uh, well, let's say, forget about for now, HR software, which handles the, the employed candidates, but you need to have a proper ATS, right? Applic- what is called an applicant tracking system. So you mm-hmm. have a, and in, incoming CVs, uh, which get looked at, uh, different people commented, and all of it in one one system, one software. You save all your comments, notes uh, in that software, right? You, I mean, when you start doing that, yeah, how do you, every recruiter populates this database, it becomes an asset, yeah, it populates it every month, bit by bit by bit by bit by bit by bit. And so eventually you end up with having everybody in the industry in your ATS with the comments of recruiters, multiple interviews, and all of it stored. All of mm-hmm. this is history. So the further you go, month by month and year by year, 
you create this this amazing asset with all your contacts, uh, relationships, uh, notes, etc., etc., etc. So yeah, they managed to do great. So definitely, you know, uh, I think uh, they use Greenhouse. I think now it's one of the most sophisticated uh, softwares for. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't recommend it for smaller companies, but for bigger companies, I mean, Greenhouse is, is really, really good. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, that's that's probably a very one, one of those successful uh, cases. The other one is, of course, people who make connections. And if you make connections, this means that you know a lot of people. And when you when you are searching for someone and you you know spread the word and say, hey, I'm looking for such mm-hmm. and such a person. Yeah? Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm sure you, Nikolai, if you would look for someone, right? Yeah. You shoot the word. So many people are are, are friends with you uh, in LinkedIn or Facebook, and uh, immediately you will get tons of references. Or say, uh, you know, Michael Greenberg, for example, he also has a lot of a lot of relationships with a lot of people. Uh, mm-hmm. So for him, uh, but it takes time. You need to build these relationships. So let's say owners of the companies or CEOs or HRs, which visit the expos talk to different, uh, you know, speak, meet, uh, participate in interview and keep it, keep that in their database. It, it could be, maybe you don't use the ATS. Maybe you just add people in LinkedIn. Maybe mm-hmm. that's it. You mm-hmm. just have them as friends. Mm-hmm. That's already a good start. How you can later on find the right talent in house. You had the uh, Elena from, uh, from your boss also. Uh, at one oh of yeah. As a guest. Podcast, yeah. Right. Yeah, as a guest, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. So, for example, it's another cool example. How do you how do you build up relationship? Elena organized with your boss this event. Oh my God, what was the name? Um, Dealers Connect, I believe, is the name. Mm-hmm. So, Dealers Connect is the name of the event, which I think they organize once a year or so uh, in Cyprus. And in in this uh, meeting, they are able to chat in informal atmosphere, have a drink, uh, eat, talk about some of their uh, new features on the platform, but they also meet not they, they meet all of their clients, right? So all of the dealers who end up using their software are there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they are building up this relationship. So the next time they want some expert working for for your birth, you know, they shoot out to the same community and this community will help them find the necessary the necessary candidates. So relationships, community building are I think the 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 keys. Mm-hmm. Great. Awesome. Uh, uh, well, Yuri, I wanted to also ask you about uh, compensation packages. Mm. You know, a big story here in the West or in the United States and, and certainly in particular places in Europe, you know, uh, rising cost of living inflation has been a big, uh, a big factor for people. Uh, I'm wondering if companies that operate in these regions uh, have reacted to these, to these uh, sort of economic and social changes. Are they improving compensation packages and if they are are we speaking about you know a bump or raise in base salary or let's say supplemental compensation like bonus targets i think that maybe equity stake uh, stakes these days are not uh, are not something that uh, candidates could maybe look forward to but um kind of what's your impression uh, of what's going on with the actual compensation package uh yeah you're right uh, equity stake uh, is not uh, really something that today candidates are expecting uh, mm-hmm. And the owners of the of the brokerage are, are giving, and, and there is a reason for that. Yeah, the industry is mature. So when do you talk about equity in something new? When you have something new, some new startup, yeah, you you don't have the money, so you invite all the all the talent and you promise them uh, uh, mountains of gold uh, <laughs> if we succeed. If we succeed and we go for IPO in whatever 10, 15 years, etc. But in this industry, it has consolidated. What are we looking about? Uh, we are looking at maybe 200, 250 reasonable size uh, uh, brokers uh, who operate in, so to say, forex, CFD, crypto trading uh, with leverage uh, type of. Uh, uh, plus, of course, all the companies uh, who are doing institutional and <clears throat> service platforms, etc., who who support these brokers technically or legally, etc., etc. Or HR-wise, yeah, my company. <laughs> so basically, equity, yeah, doesn't, doesn't, I, I, I haven't, like, we've done a lot of different hires and we're talking about bonuses, salaries, but equity is out of picture these days. But uh, the other thing, of course, is salaries. I mean, they're going up. And, uh, okay, we had one client 
and it was originally a Russian company, which I think now, which not I think, they migrated to Turkey and they operate from Turkey. And it was a good example. They asked us to hire a couple of uh, developers. Mm -hmm. And when they said the budget, the budget was like three times lower than the average salary salary of similar people we delivered in the past. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I said, all right, sorry, but we can't help you because you are looking for... uh, yeah, you are looking for a, a non-existing, you know, market price. <laughs> it yeah. doesn't exist. I mean, maybe, maybe we will, we will, we will find you. Uh, how do you call it? A needle in the haystack. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Or, or maybe somebody who's still in college, and this would be like a paid internship or something, right? Yeah, something yeah but like it's that. not. Yeah, but it's not uh, professional uh, headhunting. It's not. It's not our field. So mm-hmm. basically. It's off quote. It doesn't exist. So I'm sorry. We can't help you. And mm-hmm. when I talk, when I spoke to this company, I, I understand again that that these companies will die out because they can't afford a growing price of of talent. They can't afford growing price of talent. So of course, companies which are doing great, uh, becoming bigger, they can afford hiring uh, top talent, and that's what they hire from. They they hire from all these. Uh, dying companies because some of these dying companies may have this uh, you know press any key guy who has done who's basically doing like five people job <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. uh, yeah. uh, and they can hire him and uh, eventually he will he will he will not be uh, covering five jobs but one specific mm-hmm. job but mm-hmm. he will probably get paid double so yes mm-hmm. the prices go only up not not just not just because inflation yeah but but just because the industry is 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 in such a stage, I mean, imagine uh, how many new MetaTrader brokers are coming up. It's not that many. It's not. It's not like ten years ago, or fifteen years ago, right? So, if you want an expert on the platform, uh, on the, on that platform, where are you going to get it? There's, there's no new, fresh, uh, young people joining uh, in mass uh, startups. Uh, most uh, some of which uh, you know fail and then these people are looking for a job you actually the only way for you to to hire that person uh, is actually to find someone who has already vast experience or is now working at another broker mm-hmm. so uh, what and and sometimes you need to overpay I, I, I don't mean that when you hire the price is most important factor I, I, I don't think so uh, okay there are many other factors which might be w- way more important than mm-hmm. than the salary uh, why people move jobs yeah yeah uh, sometimes it's just they've been there too long or they they have changed in culture or, or just they want to change location anyway there are many many reasons mm-hmm. uh, salary is not the only one but generally yes salaries are only going to go up <laughs> yeah uh, that's for sure uh, right and uh, also there is effect with with this conflict now uh, between russia and ukraine uh, there's a lot of migration uh, mm-hmm. of, of headquarters uh, and of course we have seen uh, quite a few headquarters migrate to Dubai, the Cyprus, and that means that hiring in Dubai is definitely way more expensive than some of the brokerages which, that were hiring in Kiev or Moscow mm-hmm. or St. Mm-hmm. Petersburg. So that also brings uh, prices up. This is, <laughs> you spoke about China, I remember, I mean, in, in so to say, gray areas or unregulated uh, areas as well. I mean, mm-hmm. when, when you're hiring... You need to expect to pay extras for the, oh. for the fact of that the person knows how it works. I understand. In 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 one or the other, let's say Asian country, etc. Mm-hmm. So well, those are. These, I mean, and, and and there are not many new players coming in. So basically, wh- whoever has been there knows how to run the business. You know, he also knows that well, he's worth way more than 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 what some brokers expect. To, to pay mm-hmm. and yeah. maybe some ex, ex, extra costs must be involved mm-hmm. <laughs> if you know what i mean well i mean that's just that's the reality of, of working like you said in gray areas or countries that don't have you know sensible i would say let's say you know sensible uh licensing or, or regulation setup um actually yuri i wanted to ask a follow-up question not on the compensation but uh, this is this is something that's interesting to me. You know, in the United States right now, the crypto markets are very depressed. Unfortunately, there has a lot of been a lot of projects, crypto projects closing uh, in the United States. I, I would probably say maybe in some other regions of the world. 
Are you seeing an influx of candidates from the crypto space because crypto is a little bit similar to the traditional fiat markets there are industry caters to, meaning, you know, these candidates are now sort of uh, free floating and they don't know what they're going to do. They, they were at a crypto shop before and things were going well. Now that sort of we had crypto winter, now we could say it's kind of crypto spring a little bit. But I, I, I would say that the crypto industry is quite depressed in terms of the availability of, of jobs, the amount of money that uh, crypto firms can pay. Are you seeing an influx of, of people who used to work in crypto trying to get into our space? Yes, definitely. We have a lot of candidates that are working for crypto companies, but most of them, the brokers don't get to see that most of them. So we, we unfortunately, we have to filter them out. Imagine you see a CV of a person working mm -hmm. in a crypto company. Uh -huh. okay? Two of the places he, he, he worked in says a crypto company, in parentheses, NDA, <laughs> cannot disclose. Oh, I see. For example. So ask yourself, why you can't disclose? I mean, does the, is, is there really somebody paying you money or you have some really legal contract that is not? No, that's not the case. The point is that it was an ICO or it was some crypto project which collected the money, went bust, somebody got, got their whatever pay, but you were part of it. And the brand does no longer exist. Mm -hmm. And most likely the candidate doesn't, doesn't really want to even say how the business yeah, is done. So sure, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. we're, we're, we're talking about a lot of candidates that have, they didn't do it, like they were not the owners of those crypto I understand. companies. Yeah, it, it, but, it's not like but they, they were, were hired mm -hmm. and they were delivering a product which was paying, I don't know, 25% annual interest to their, to their investors and then all of a sudden disappeared yeah, after some time. So obviously... I'm not going to recommend to anybody uh, some, some, of, some of these candidates because uh, the, the CV doesn't look good and um, I can't cross-check the background. Who am I? I mean, I don't know the, the owners of that past crypto project, so I can't mm -hmm. call them. Yeah? Mm -hmm. In mm -hmm. case I have a, a C-level manager, I can actually call the, 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 by WhatsApp the owner of, of that company and just say, hey, he's been working with you for five years. What's your reference, etc." And most likely I will get the reference within, within you know, uh, within five minutes. And of course, there are other people who give me reference or helps me with uh, recommending some of the, some of the stuff from, from the market. So in, in case of these crypto companies, this doesn't exist. Yeah? And uh, we're talking about people and we're talking about my reputation too, right? So if of I course. recommend someone, I need to be sure that this is a crystal clear, great, great, great person. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that's one thing. And we see a lot of it. Yeah? The other thing is do you want to hire C-level manager from FTX or <laughs> Celsius, well, block, I, I, BlockFi, Yuri, I'm head, not, of, head I'm of finance not, from BlockFi? I'm not, specifically really talking of, I'm not specifically talking about those companies. And I think we, we, should, we should just, you know, for the sake of our conversation, completely exclude them from, 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 from any kind of, you know, list of companies like that. I'm just speaking more in, in, in broad, in, in broad terms, you know, <laughs> but they are, they, these people are, they are available now. Mm -hmm. They don't have a job, right? The sure. companies went bankrupt. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They are chapter, mm -hmm. what do you call it in US, uh, chapter 11, 11 right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, yes, but again, if I, do you, it's, it's also about, uh, Superstition, yeah. You 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 want to hire people from success with success stories. You don't want to hire people from bankruptcy stories. So it's natural. Yeah. And 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 in the end, okay, if it, if it's some junior developer, that, that's fine. But if it's a manager or civil manager, this, this means that he was part of it. Yeah, he was part of this unsuccessful story. Why do you want you know? Because he learned on the mistakes. Mm, okay, maybe maybe. But um, do, do you have other candidates? Typically, that's what, what we would hear. <laughs> right. Makes sense. Um, well, I wanted to finish up our conversation by asking you about your life outside of work, because I think, you know, people's personal passions are important for you to know when you are assisting companies and, you know, recruiting and, and helping place people in companies. 
Um, but I wanted to know kind of what drives Yuri. Uh, I know family life keeps you busy, as we just saw. Uh, you know, um, what drives you in terms of you know your hobbies, interests, passions? Uh, yeah, well, of course, uh, the fact that in this industry I'm very flexible with time, yeah, mm -hmm. and I can work from anywhere. This allows me, uh, of course, to travel, uh, to enjoy. Uh, to schedule my sports for example i love uh, playing competitive uh, men's doubles uh, badminton mm -hmm. so this is my so to say indoor sport when the weather is bad yeah i play competitive men's doubles badminton go to tournaments etc if you're my friends on on facebook uh, you can probably see tons of photos uh, me playing or sometimes winning yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, that's my indoor sport and my outdoor sport is uh, beach volleyball. So when the weather is good and today in Estonia, the weather is fantastic. It's 27 degrees. So as soon as we finish up, I need to check if, if my kids are ready and packed and we go to the beach, maybe I have a game. Oh, nice. Uh, nice. So I love to play beach volleyball and I, and I, I actually I train with uh, Estonian national youngsters. So there is a coach. He can't give me coaching, but he said, "All right, you can, you can sometimes come when we train the kids." And we're talking about thirteen-year-old kids who play better than me. Uh -huh. <laughs> Some of them are taller than me <laughs> already. You know, at like age fourteen, it's like you're thinking, I'm, "I'm not very tall. I'm like one one seventy. Mm -hmm. So I can't do it competitively, but I like it because you can play out, outside on the beach, and it's it, it's nice. So I enjoy that, and uh, my kids already. I think my my grandma, uh, sorry, grandma, their grandma uh, just called yesterday and she says, you know what, uh, your your daughter, uh, she was watching TV and she says, hey, grandma, this is volleyball. And she's like, wow, how did she know that? No, no wonder. <laughs> she sees daddy play volleyball on the beach uh, a lot of times while she's uh, coming along. So, yes, uh, I mean, this is a, for me, it's like a perfect mix. Yeah, I can deal with uh, business, uh, with uh, remotely uh, having online conversations and meetings like like we have one today mm -hmm. uh, and then mix in of course uh, being there with my kids because I work from home or when I travel I work from wherever is whole my family is <laughs> yeah so and plus plus do the the, the, the sport so it's like very good uh, work-life balance for me I, I my wife thinks I work too much but I think it's good balance <laughs> great Awesome. Well, Yuri, thanks for taking the time to, to speak with us today and giving us lots of valuable insights on, you know, your work uh, with Finn Wizard and, you know, HR hiring needs and, and all kinds of other uh, great insights. Um, we wish you the best of luck and hope to see you soon and have a great rest of your day. Enjoy the beach if, if you do end up going today and uh, enjoy your summer. Thank you very much. It was great talking to you, Nicolai. Best of luck. I heard you are going to the exhibition uh, in uh, Bangkok. Bangkok yes now and uh, so have a good uh, trip thank you uh, enjoy great weather and tom yum uh, <laughs> one of my favorite soups thanks all right cheers have, have a, a great day. day thanks for listening to our latest finance feeds podcast episode for sponsorship opportunities or to become a guest please email us at info at financefeeds.com